Welcome to episode 17 of Misaligned. Last week, you got another bonus episode. I interviewed my friend Jacob Tender. Hope you guys listened to that and enjoyed it. This year, we definitely plan on getting a lot more interview episodes out to you guys, as long as I can keep getting people on the show, of course. Um, But today, we have quite a few things to discuss. Beyonce dropped a new song, Bethany of Best Coast did an essay for Lena Dunham's newsletter, Lenny, and we will definitely be talking about some more things like what new music we're listening to and that sort of thing. But we're going to go ahead and jump right in today with the Lenny letter essay by Bethany. Megan, I know this is something you definitely love. You really like this band. So do you want to go ahead and start off, start us off on this? Yeah, yeah. So I really love Bethany Costantino. I think I'm saying her name right. I think anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really, I really love this essay. I am not the biggest Lena Dunham fan, but I like what Lenny has done for the community as a whole. And the fact that Bethany wrote this specifically for Lenny speaks just an astronomical amount of, oh, this is great. Like, this is going to be pushed out to the community as a whole it's going to be out there in the open and that's great so being a woman in the music industry can be slightly terrifying at times and even just being a female fan or a female writer can be really rough i mean guys don't have to go through all of this bs that we go through they don't get to deal with the harassment the way that we do we don't We get all the questions like, oh, are you with the band? Are you a girlfriend of the band? Like that sort of thing. And I like that she wrote specifically, it might be evident from this essay that I feel a lot of things, including confusion and anger toward the way that I am perceived as a woman in the music industry. I just want to be able to exist and make music without people asking me the question, so what's it like to be a girl in a band? In reality, it's one of the best things in the world, but on a bad day, it can make me question if I chose the right career. And honestly, I feel like that's something that has crossed the minds of many females in the industry, from the fans, from the writers, from the musicians themselves, because of just this rampant sexist BS, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know how so many of these women do it um, because I'm someone with a relatively short temper, which is probably not surprising to a lot of people. But, you know, one of of the things that Bethany talks about is after she talks about the cheeseburger incident um, and she, her first response, you know, was to look down at the guy and be like, you're really fucking lucky that there's a barrier between us because I want to come down there and slap you. Like, that would be me all the time. And like that kind of aggression, like while it is 100% warranted, um, it, it doesn't help, which is also really frustrating. Um, that's a conversation like my sister and I have had to have, I have a sister who's a little bit younger than I am. And, um, you know, she's very much, you know, very loud and just like I am and very outspoken about, 
you know, if something's bothering us, we're going to call people out for it kind of thing. Uh, but we kind of had to have the conversation of, yes, you know, we want to be aggressive and we want to be defensive. Um, and it's deserved 100%. But to really get a message across to people, they don't listen to aggression and they don't listen to anger, um, as well as a logical, well thought out answer. So I really like how Bethany, you kind of admitted to that, like, you know, it was a moment of weakness and of anger. And that's not the best way to respond. But at the same time, it's totally fair. It happens. And um, so I'm I'm always really impressed with how controlled and poised all these women are able to stay. And I mean, and that, you know, the people don't respond to aggression and anger. That does go for both sexes. You know, when someone is angry and screaming and yelling, you don't listen to them. And it's just because a lot of times it seems irrational. Um, and of course, you know, women are seen to be more irrational just because of, you know, God knows what, all sorts of dumb reasons. But I don't know. I really respect Bethany for this. And Best Coast is not a band that I've really always followed. Um, but she's always been on my radar as just a badass lady. I really enjoy her Snacks the Cat tweets. <laughs> um, so I've always, I've always, she's been on my radar. She's a badass lady. So I, I really enjoyed the essay too. And I mean, going back to, sorry, but like, I had this thought going back to the anger thing, there's kind of a double standard when it comes to this because the men tend to be, oh, they're just having a bad day or, oh, they're a domestic abuser, say in the case of Chris Brown. But with women, it's always, oh, sure, they can be having a bad day, but let's just attribute it to PMS or let's just attribute it to them just having bitchy tendencies as a whole. Yep. And that's one of those things you have to decide, do I want to be heard? And if you do want to be heard, then you have to, it's like, it's so shitty that you do have to take that in consideration that if you're talking to someone who has that mentality, then you have to play to their, you know, their thought pattern. Um, And if you're talking to someone like that and you are angry, you know, they're not going to listen to you because of exactly what you just said. So it's, it's really frustrating that it kind of, you definitely have to play into that whole narrative. Right. And Megan, when you mentioned Chris Brown, it's like what he did didn't even really affect his career all that much. People are still, you know, going to his shows, buying his records and everything. There was a little downtime when this all happened, you know, before his next release and everything. But I feel like with women, it's so much easier for things like that to kind of just ruin their careers completely. But for guys, it's like perfectly okay for them to do these things. And I think this was something that needed to be written by someone who is a female in the music industry. You know, we've had guys speculate about things for a long time because for a while it's like men were the prominent journalists and reporters and everything in the music industry. But now we have more female voices, especially in 2016. And I think it's really important to take the time, say what needs to be said about these things. And I, for one, would not want burgers thrown at my face for any reason, unless it was like, you know, like some sort of game or joke you were playing with your friends. But if it's just complete strangers, that's like the whole throwing tomatoes at comedians kind of thing when they're bad. And I don't think whether it's a man or woman up there, I don't think anyone should be throwing things at them that they don't want thrown at them. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. I mean, and I've seen plenty of bands, you know, they get a beer thrown at them. They get pissed off. I mean, one of the, I saw, you know, the wonder years came through Austin one time. It's a really weird crowd and a kid threw a beer can on stage and Dan got soupy, whatever you call it, (laughs) got super mad, super aggressive about it. And, um, you know, I didn't blame him at all. Like I can't imagine being a performer and having like that interrupt you, uh, which is, you know, I have such mixed feelings about crowd surfing and stage diving and everything. Like if you're getting up into a musician, a performer's space, like you, it's just such a fine line because they're either going to enjoy it or they're not. I don't know, but I guess that's, that's different for every person, but obviously, yeah, having um, anything thrown at your face regardless is definitely not appropriate in any situation. So I definitely agree with that. I really also I liked mean, how um oh go ahead. I'm just confused as to why someone would bring a cheeseburger to a concert. <laughs> right. Like Um, it was free hamburgers. It was a, a show that had free burgers at it. Yeah, it was like a college show. So they probably yeah. had food yeah. provided at the show and everything, which seems weird to me because at Drexel we had Snoop yeah, Dogg perform. College shit. And we couldn't take like anything in with us. So why I yeah, I don't understand having stuff like that at a college show in the first place. Usually college shows, it's like you don't get anything unless it's an arena show or something, you know, (laughs) at the college. But yeah, it just seems completely unreasonable that just because she's a public figure and fronts a band, she shouldn't be able to say what she's thinking if someone does something to her while she's on stage or not even just women, but musicians in general it's not like they should have to stand there and just take it just because they're a musician or a public figure or you know anyone who is out doing public speaking or anything I feel like that sort of thing shouldn't be off limits for them to speak their mind oh yeah and I mean and then when you do speak your mind that goes back to the whole like wow they're being such a whiny bitch about this or that and um you know, that's that's where that double standard comes in and gets really shitty. Um, I really appreciated that um, Bethany brought up the whole Amber Kaufman story, which most of uh-huh. us remember just recently on Twitter. She shared um, her experience with Heathcliff Beru. I believe that's how you say his name. Um, worked for the PR company, how he sexually assaulted, abused her. Um, and Bethany shared in this article and this essay that she was also um, a victim um, and had experienced that harassment from him as well. So I like that she, you know, both lauded Amber and also took the opportunity um, to kind of share part of her story. And I I hope that it did, you know, allow her some closure in that experience. But I really um, appreciate how she kind of attributed a really big um, movement. I don't know in that case. And I, that experience in general, that's one of the first times that I've seen, you know, how that's the first time that I've seen immediate and direct action um, from a tweet like that. Um, The company responded, he was removed as CEO. um, So I hope that for all of those victims, that that was something that, you know, made them, made them feel some closure and made them feel, um, you know, it was worth, worth coming out and worth some of the, the, that they received from it because with that kind of stuff and with anything on the internet you're going to get backlash um i don't know so i again i just really enjoyed the interview or the the essay sorry um but my favorite quote from it and um for those of you who have read it there's a lot of great quotes in there but um she she really made a good point and i mean people 
people say this kind of stuff all the time, especially with um, actors versus actresses, the kind of questions they get asked in interviews and red carpets, it's the same kind of idea. But when it comes to music, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing. She says, though a sexist review is certainly not the same as getting sexually harassed or assaulted over the course of a decade, it's all part of the same continuum. Because when someone critiques Best Coast's live performance because, quote, Bethany looks like a miserable bitch on stage, it's a gendered attack. There are currently four men in my band and no one is really talking about how they don't smile on stage or how their outfits are. What the fuck is it about a woman that makes everyone think we need to be smiling all the time to prove to the world we're having a good time? Um, and I think that's a really valuable um, just observation uh, because I think a lot of men don't understand that difference of what a gendered attack is. You know, saying that someone isn't smiling, they'd be like, oh, that's that's you could say that about a man, too. But the fact is, you could say it, but people don't. And I think that that's a really, really important difference uh, for people to realize that when we are talking about gendered attacks, it's not that it could be said about a man, but it's that it isn't. Um, so I think that's a really important takeaway from this essay as well. Right. And I think that about covers it for this essay. We talked about it quite a bit, but... This will kind of roll into our next topic with the new song and video that Beyonce released, Formation. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you can watch the video on her website. Just go straight to Beyonce.com and there's like a splash page for it. And you can also download it for free on Tidal without an account. Very important. And they will then offer you a 90-day free trial for a title, which... I had a free trial and I maybe used it a couple days before I got so frustrated with it that I just couldn't handle it anymore. So, you know, <laughs> do that at your own disclosure there. <laughs> if you like title, great. Didn't work for me. <laughs> but Caitlin, I know you really, really like this song. There's a lot of capital yeah. letters here in the document. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just me yelling through my words. Um, I do really, really love this. And I mean, I love Beyonce. I'm definitely not like the kind of fan that people know and see. Um, you know, I'm more relatively new to Beyonce. But I think what's so perfect about this video for me, my mom's family is from Louisiana. Um, and I've grown up in Texas my whole life. So a lot of the Southern imagery that she uses is awesome. And while most of it is more... Um, applicable to the black community. Um, it's still, I love it because it's still what I've grown up with and what I know really well. All of the New Orleans images are really important to me. Um, I had family members who were affected by Katrina. Um, just the Southern aspects of life talking about, um, God, just everything. They show imagery of crawfish, crawfish boil, which is one of my favorite things. Beyonce talking about her hot sauce in her bag swag, <laughs> like, Oh, just everything. Um, and one of my favorite artists out of New Orleans is Big Frida, um, who started the whole bounce, um, bounce rap trend. Um, so hearing Big Frida guest on that song was amazing. I was super disappointed that she didn't make an appearance in the video, though, um, just because how awesome Big Frida really is. One of my favorite artists to see live. It's just unreal, but so Southern. Um, I don't know. How do y'all feel about it? Well, we know Beyonce is from Houston, or if you didn't know that, you now know that. So I feel like this is pretty close to home for her, especially with the whole Southern aspect and the community and everything. And I know Beyonce's career started when she was really young with Destiny's Child. So we don't really 
know a whole lot about Beyonce before that, or at least I don't, even though I'm a huge Beyonce fan. She was in some little Houston groups. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I I know she was always like quite the performer, but as far as like what her parents did and that sort of thing, I'm not really too familiar with that story, but I think this is definitely a powerful visual. And of course, we get an appearance from Blue. Very, very important. The adorable Blue. <laughs> the I don't I don't think anyone was really expecting that because, you know, when Blue was first born, it's like oh, you yeah. didn't see any pictures of her. It, they weren't like the celebrity couple that was going out and flaunting their kid and showing her off and everything. It's like they kept her pretty protected for a while. And part of me feels like they're kind of letting her choose whether or not she wants to do this sort of stuff. I mean, I know she's still really young. But I don't really think they're forcing her into anything. Oh, yeah. She's old enough to say, yes, I want to yeah. dance on in your video. Right. And, for sure. and when your mom is Beyonce, why would you say no to her? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, if Beyonce was my mom, I would never say no. <laughs> but what's interesting here is she's not as heavily um, photographed in the paparazzi. Right. Like uh, Northwest. And this is why I'm also surprised with, you know, baby royalty, I guess you could say, the spawn of Kanye and Kim. But even Saint hasn't been photographed nearly as much as North. Like, I don't even think there's been an official picture sent out yet of him. Right. It's like they're kind of pulling the secrecy like Beyonce did. Yeah. With Blue. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, Beyonce is so outspoken about things, but at the same time, she keeps her private life pretty private you know it's like when that whole video came out with her sister attacking jay-z in the elevator it's like she didn't really go on record necessarily and you know give the whole story it was like it's a family matter we're handling it and that's something i definitely respect because we've seen this in the media so often with celebrities it's just like the media the paparazzi they have no respect for privacy. I mean, I get it. They're public figures, so it kind of comes with the territory, but there's a line and it seems like it's been crossed over and over and over again with yeah, so many people. Um, yeah. It's too bad. But yeah, I agree. She's done a really good job of of maintaining privacy. Um I'd say going back to the video though, one of the other things that obviously it's the imagery is very strong and the black imagery is very strong and a lot of it um is definitely very recent um all the, her lyrics though she sings in the chorus about natural hair and um the shape of nostrils um all of that is very prideful but it's also not something that you're used to hearing in a female pop star song which i love i think that's great mm-hmm. and towards the end of the video they have the little scene um with the little boy dancing in front of the line of cops um and the cops put their hands up at the end um so i think that was a really really good um i guess i don't i don't want to say I guess a tribute um, or a statement on everything that's been happening with the police shooting and everything and Ferguson and the hands up idea. So I'm really glad that she put that in there, too, because that's obviously something that's a huge deal right now. Um, So I I just appreciate everything that she does in this video, promoting the Southern culture, promoting black culture, calling attention to problems that have been happening. 
Um, I am interested to hear a little bit more about the somewhat controversy, actually, and I saw it, it popped up on Twitter for me as like a Twitter story, which I never look at those because they're usually fucking stupid. Um, but apparently a lot, some of the footage of New Orleans uh, in the music video are from a documentary about New Orleans called That, B-E-A-T, beat i guess um and the directors of the video took to twitter saying or of the movie sorry um sorry of the documentary took to twitter um claiming that you know the agreement was never fully worked out um that they were not compensated for this video they weren't given credit um and they kind of called out the director of formation saying, you know, why, you know, what was the the budget? Was the budget too small? You couldn't go and get your own New Orleans footage, blah, blah, blah. Um, and supposedly a statement was released from Beyonce's camp stating that the permission was obtained and they were con- compensated. So there is some kind of, um, I guess, a little bit of controversy right now. So I, I'll be curious to see how that worked out, because if that is the case, I you know, I would expect more from Beyonce and her crew. Obviously, she doesn't make all the decisions. It's, you know, a lot of director um, choice there. So I'm hoping that that's not as big of a deal as it seems because that that would be a big deal. You know, taking someone else's work is obviously a problem. So hopefully those guys from that beat are being compensated and credited correctly. Right. And Megan, I know you are definitely stoked on the aesthetic for this video. (laughs) So do you want to go ahead and talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. Actually, if it was totally appropriate for me to set my Facebook cover photo as Beyonce doing a uh, very fierce double middle finger salute to the camera, I would That's like my go-to photo pose. So I'm right (laughs) there with you. I mean, I tweeted it out several times yesterday. So (laughs) back to back to back to back. Um, But also the style alone is just, I love it. But I'm also a big, big fan of uh, the gaudier, the jewelry, the more, the better. I'm an embarrassing human being. Um, (laughs) She does anyway. She does. She does. Well, she hey, pulls it off a lot better than I could. If Beyonce likes it, it's okay. <laughs> um, but the one thing – that is a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I did pick up from this song is that there's a lot of vibes from 7-Eleven. And even a mix of the Flawless remix. I like this direction that she's going. And it's giving me stuff to be more motivated for working out to. I mean, Countdown will always be a great workout song, and it's like my perfect running song. But the stuff she's been putting out, it's good. It's giving me reason to not be a lazy bum. Oh, and of course, I looked around on her website and looked at her web store yesterday after it came out. She's got fun new merch out. She's on top of that. Actual wonderful swag. There's a sweatshirt that's a crew neck that says, I twirl on them haters. A little tote bag that says, I got hot sauce in my bag. Because obviously you need a bag for your hot sauce. It's true, (laughs) actually. If you have your own personal hot sauce in your family, people 100% carry their own. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then I don't know if this is a new addition to her store recently or if this is just stuff that's been there. But there's also a hoodie that says smack it on it. (laughs) Um, However, I'm very upset about the prices of these items. They're very expensive. Who wants to pay $70 for a hoodie or $60 oh for a crew neck? Like, See, that makes me mad. I'm like, come Beyonce, on, Beyonce. I love you, but 
We poor. <laughs> Help us, we're poor. Yeah. Help us, we're poor. Do you really need that much money, Beyonce? <laughs> uh, that's too bad. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe her stuff maybe, will go on sale. Maybe I'll get a magical teacher raise. <laughs> yeah, okay. Get a Valentine's Day bonus, you know? Yeah. We always get those. Some old-ass cookies the kids bring up. It's the best. <laughs> If they're not those little cookies from the grocery stores with that icing and the sprinkles, oh. the really soft sugar cookies, yes, those okay, are that, it's not even worth it. I would totally take one of those. Those are the best if cookies. Only. If only. Well, I'm with y'all. Well, do we want to move on to our next Beyonce topic? <laughs> yes, yet another video. <laughs> yeah, so another video. I'm sure most of y'all have seen or heard of at least the new Coldplay song. And uh, it is timely. It is yes, timely. Today is, is the Super Bowl, timely. and she will be performing... With Coldplay. I, I did read that they're not performing it, that song, though. Right. Oh, yeah, I heard that it's... They said it was too new. Yeah, exactly. So they're probably going to do previous songs they've done together. Cause I'm sure. I, I'm sure. I know Beyonce and Rihanna have both done songs with Coldplay before. I just can't remember which one is named what. <laughs> Honestly, I know Rihanna did Princess Beyonce. of China. Right. Oh, yeah. No, it should just be Beyonce. Nobody (laughs) wants to see Coldplay at the Super Bowl. But I'm actually, you know, this video, I don't if if you've seen it and you maybe realized how um, strong the Indian imagery is. Um, And I'm really surprised that Beyonce agreed to do this video um, just because of how strongly and fiercely she promotes and defends her black pride and community, um, especially what we see in formation. Um, There's a lot of cultural appropriation going on. Um, We, all three of us read the article um, that NPR posted, and actually I had heard the story live on air, um, basically talking about how, you know, the music industry has kind of always been doing this appropriation where they're using imagery in their videos more just to look good um, without really showing a deep appreciation for the culture. So it does kind of spark that discussion of cultural appropriation and where the line needs to be drawn. Um, And it's definitely a problem everywhere. I have this conversation every Cinco de Mayo with my eighth graders. They get really excited because they think we're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo when in reality we sit down and have a conversation about cultural appropriation Um, because it's not anything new. We see it everywhere. You know, all the shitty people wearing Indian and Native American headdresses um, at at music festivals and just that kind of stuff. Um, even, you know, one of the things that I talk to my kids about is the, the um, Native American patterned, you know, t-shirts and sweaters that are really popular. You see them at Forever 21, that for a lot of um, Native American tribes, those patterns can have very um, spiritual and symbolic meaning. Um, so certain patterns are sacred for them. Um, so you do have to be careful about that as well. So, I mean, it's everywhere. It's not new. Um, but I think at this point, it's it's time to stop, obviously. Um, and it's time to stop a lot of things. I think now that people are having more open conversations and having more support, it's time. But there's still that, you know, there's a group of people who call out and look down on appropriation. And at the same time, there's still that group um, who just thinks everyone's being too sensitive. Like, why? You know, that shouldn't hurt your feelings. But I think until that second group is able to empathize more with cultural groups, it's it's not going to stop. Um, And that's I think that's kind of where we get stuck is that, well, yes, there is a whole community of people who agree that this is wrong until we can really educate that second group of people who think it's okay and that people are being overly sensitive. It's not going to change. Yeah. And I think with 
Beyonce being in, you know, the traditional Indian clothing and everything, it's like they could have easily just gotten people who do those dances and are from India to be in the video. And you could have had it where they were like teaching Beyonce the dance or something, kind of like in one of her previous videos. It it might have been Girls who run the world or whatever the subtitle for it is. I I always forget. But she brought in some guys from a specific country to teach her a specific dance so that she could learn it for the video. And I think she even had the guys in the video too. I think you're right. So it's like they could have easily just done something similar to that and just had Beyonce dressed in clothes she normally wears, you know? Yeah. And I think that would have help to keep this whole conversation from even needing to happen in the first place. So there's so many ways you can avoid these things. And it's not like it's all that difficult. There are plenty of native Indian people who live in America now. And especially if they went to India to record this or whatever with India as the backdrop, you definitely could have found Indian people there, obviously. So it's kind yeah, of like... Yeah, that's the thing, though. And I, I'd be more curious to hear kind of if a lot of, you know, if any cultural sensitivity training was done or... Right. I don't know, because, well, in one of the one of the stories that I heard on NPR about this video, it was um, it's an Indian-American woman who um, did the critique of the video. And she said, you know, the holy powder um, that they use, all the colorful powder and stuff, that for a lot of Indians, that celebration really isn't that important. Right. Um, So it was kind of another one of those things of how they made it this huge point of the video when in reality it's not important, which is exactly the same conversation we have about Cinco de Mayo. Um, Cinco de Mayo in Mexico is not an important holiday except in one particular town. So it's kind of one of those things, like how much research was actually done. Um, I don't know. I would be more curious to hear about that part. Exactly. Megan, what were your thoughts on this video? Well, listening to this conversation, um, I am going to link this back to what Bethany was saying earlier about being a female in the music industry. We're giving Beyonce all of this slack for doing what she did with this video, which I will admit is visually stunning. But at the same time, we're not really going after Chris Martin and Coldplay. We're not saying, hey, why did these white guys think it was a good idea to do this? Oh, yeah. No, I think that's the whole problem. Yeah. There's that double standard coming in once again. But yes, the video is really just a stunning video. I will give them credit for that. And I'm going to be kind of the devil's advocate here and talk more about the other side, about the people that think it's not exactly cultural appropriation. Hmm. I mean, it's she was wearing a bindi in it, right? I believe so. That is that's been a huge contention a huge point of contention with um, the cultural appropriation community as a whole of whether or not it's okay to wear that as a non-Indian, non-South Asian person. And in a way, I guess we can thank the rise of social justice warriors on Tumblr Mm -hmm. for being the, for lack of a better word, cultural appropriation police about stuff like this. But then there are people that think that it is okay to do this. And I'm not saying that to sound weird or anything, but there was a really great article in Time that talks about how many Bollywood stars aren't actually native to South Asia. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that Beyonce's role allows the viewers to see that blackness as a whole is beautiful and it can be a part of South Asian culture. We do need to find that really happy medium, like Caitlin was saying, to stop calling the appropriation that is more of an appreciation of a specific form of art while working to better educate people about what is or isn't appropriate. To go off what she was saying with the Cinco de Mayo talks, I remember in middle school and high school and even in college, my Spanish classes had a very, very thoughtful discussion about Dia de los Muertos, mm-hmm. how it's not a holiday where you can just paint yourself up like a sugar skull and celebrate. It's actually a day of remembrance and that we should look at it as a day of remembrance as opposed to a huge party. Now that I've gotten on that tangent, <laughs> a lot of cultures look down on the cultural appropriation imagery. Like, is it okay? Is it not okay? And then there's others um, who promote some forms of cultural appropriation, like the Japanese. A big point of this, which has a lot of people divided, especially among the Asian American community, is kimono culture. Japan has been known for producing these absolutely stunning wearable pieces of art. And I will admit that, yes, I am half Japanese and I don't have a great grasp on my dad's side of the family's culture. He was adopted and became Americanized. Um, He's pretty much adopted every Western ideal and never really taught my brother and I about the Japanese heritage as a whole. But we've got kimonos. We've got some traditional forms of Japanese art. And I admire them. They're really pretty. I think that they are a piece of clothing that can be pulled off successfully with or without appropriation. However, um, there are people that say, if you wear one, you're appropriating the culture, blah, blah, blah. That's not good. But in the tourism industry over in Japan, they want people to actually try on these kimonos and wear them and take pictures in them. That's great because it helps promote an industry that was once really thriving and now that's kind of dwindling. The thing I find really bad about this is that people feel the need to actually paint their faces to look more Asian. They'll make them look paler. They'll give them the almond eye shape. And as someone who does actually look relatively Asian at times, the, the, the perks of being half Caucasian, half Asian, you know. But I find that offensive. Like what Katy Perry did a few years ago at I think, what, the Grammys, when she decided to do this whole, whole shebang dedicated to Japanese culture and fashion, when she did actually paint her face to look more Asian and just, ugh. I, and, no, I agree completely. I think, you know, with kimonos, they are a piece of art. Um, you know, they, the patterns and the colors on kimonos signify, you know, gender, age, status, wealth, that kind of thing. So I think when an item does not have spiritual, um, religious affiliation, or I, don't, I think that's, I, for me, that's kind of where the line is. Um, because, you know, with the bendy, that's often worn by Hindu women. That's a very religious item for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Dia de los Muertos, um, that can be a very religious and spiritual celebration for a lot of people. Um, even if you are not someone who's religious, you still go through a lot of the same celebrations. Um, and so I think 
there's a lot of importance in recognizing what's a religious symbol, what's a spiritual symbol. And if you are choosing to use or celebrate that, that you are immersing yourself in that culture. Um, I do celebrate Dia de los Muertos. I am 100% white at this point. I do have like a once- I have great, 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 great Mexican grandmother, but that, you know, there's no way I can claim Mexican at all. But that's because I have immersed myself in that culture. I've taught Spanish for many years. I've been learning the language. I've traveled. Um, and I celebrate that holiday in a way that lifts up and embraces the culture. And I help to educate children on it every year. That's very, very different. Um, and I agree completely. The whole the Katy Perry and the face painting, when it comes to physical representation of how someone physically looks, that's off limits too. Um, but I think when it's something that can be appreciated as an art form, that makes it a little more okay. Yeah, um, like as long as you're doing it in a way that is uplifting and appreciative and educational. There's really no harm in appreciating the beauty of artistic values in various exactly. cultures. But as long as you don't try to make that culture your own, then you'll be okay. Yeah, It's exactly. like the headdress thing, how the festival kids try to say, oh, it's okay that it's I can wear. It's festival wear. Yeah, I can wear a headdress and I can do the war paint because, oh, I'm like one sixteenth Native American on my great grandfather twice <laughs> removed side. It's when they pull logic like that, that you just want to bash your head into a wall and just fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, there's no logical explanation for wearing a very spiritual Native American headdress at a music festival. You cannot rationalize that in any way, shape, or form. Right, and especially for the performers, like I said earlier, it would be so easy for them to just hire people from those cultures if they want to display those things in their performances. Like with Katy Perry, it doesn't necessarily need to be her wearing something, in order for her to show her appreciation of it. She could exactly. easily just get people from that culture who understand it better than any of us would, and they can teach her about it and be included in the performance, which I think would benefit everyone so much more than white people just trying to take on all these cultures and everything and show their appreciation for them. Which, yeah, and that 100% comes back around to the Coldplay video and how, mm. you know, I always, I wonder how much input um, the bands really do have into what they do. If they've hired a director who says, you know, this is what we're doing, I don't know how much say there is, you right. know, um, but I would hope that there was some discussion about that. I'm not sure if there was. Um, and I probably need to watch the video a few more times um, to really look closely at the imagery that's happening. I honestly, I watched it once and was, I mean, I hate Coldplay. Um, so I had a really, I had a hard time watching it in general. Um, but I don't know. I'd be, either way, I think we all agree that it's it was fairly insensitive um, and that they definitely could have done better. They could have gone about it in so many other ways um, that would have been, more of an appreciation versus the appropriation. Right. And I think we did a pretty good job of covering that. Considering Caitlin, I also only watched the video once and there was a lot going on. So like you, I'll probably yeah. go back and watch it again. I'm not the biggest Coldplay fan, but I really like Beyonce. So it kind of evens out, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, we're going to move on now and let you guys know what we've been listening to, whether it's 
new music to us or new as in it just came out, which is the case for mine. So I will go ahead and start off real quick. I have three releases that you guys should definitely check out if you get the chance. Magnet Schools, The Art of Telling the Truth. They're like, I guess, a shoegaze rock band or something. I'm not really good with all these new genres that keep popping up. I'm just like, it's rock music. There's guitars, there's noise. That's all I need to know. And I will listen to it. So you can definitely expect a ton of guitars in this album. And it just came out January 29th on Shifting Sounds and Sunshine HQ. We will link to these in the show notes so you guys can definitely check them out. But something that was one of my favorite things that I heard in January was the Pooches EP, Heart Attack, which is out on Lamo Records, record label based out of Philadelphia, went to school with the guy at Drexel, and that label has definitely released a lot of great stuff, as you can see with how modern baseball blew up, obviously. But these guys have a totally different vibe. It's very like Beach Boys. They have some harmonies going on. And it'll definitely take you back to music that isn't exactly current. And I think it was just super catchy songwriting and everything. So definitely check that out. And the last one I have is the Rocky Votolato EP, Sawdust and Shavings, which our friend James Cassar over at Modern Vinyl and his label partner, Corey, were lucky to put out. This was a huge get for them on the label. And they have vinyl, they have cassettes, they have it digitally available. So any format you want it in, you can pretty much get it unless you are someone who still uses CDs, which I don't really know a lot of people who do. But anyway, <laughs> great acoustic jams on that EP. So if you are into any of those three things, those are my new music recommendations. Megan, what do you have for us? Well, I'm going to go ahead and second the Rocky thing. I actually pre-ordered my copy when it came out. I'm very excited about this. Um, Texted James about how happy I am to see this because this is a pretty big get for Near Mint. Yeah. I mean, they put out some amazing releases like uh, Modern Baseball Sports on cassette. Right. But I think Rocky has a bigger fan base. And this is a reimagining of some of the songs off of, what was it? His last EP, new EP, something like that. Um, not that I sound horribly uneducated about this, <laughs> but it's great. And I know that when you um, order it, you can actually get a digital copy that you'll have immediately. Right. Which is awesome. But moving on to the whole new music thing, the Lumineers released a new song called Ophelia. In typical Lumineers fashion, it's very folksy. It's very, I like it. I actually heard it on the radio yesterday as a premiere and thought that was really cool. I love the radio stations here. Like Richmond and DC both have some stellar rock stations. Um, but yes, they released a new song. It's great. You shall listen to it. And then Dr. Dog just released The Psychedelic Swamp. It's not exactly your typical Dr. Dog material. It's more like a concept album from material that's at least 15 years old. Um, it was something that they recorded on a tape years and years and years ago, and they decided to revisit it. So it's this super trippy, folksy goodness that sounds like such a blast from the past, and it's fun. I really like it. I was also really glad that NPR premiered it a week before it actually came out. Uh, NPR doing it good every time. Oh, yes. <laughs> I clearly missed that, so I will have to check that out. I know it's definitely on Spotify right now. 
because I was listening to that before the podcast. And then finally, while a lot of fans are mourning the loss of Chumped, who played their last show last night, there is hope. Katie Ellen is a new project by Annika and Dan. Annika takes up the vocals, and Dan does what he does best with the drums. So they actually have a three-song album out right now, and it's free. Like, who doesn't love free music? And it's really good. It's just, like, kind of dreamy, dreamy pop rock. So that's a fun little thing to check out. Awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to hear that, actually. I didn't know they were they were starting a new project. So I did. Um, I went and saw the Chump show that was at Fest. Um, and actually, it was awesome because a couple got engaged there. And it was like the cutest thing oh. ever. But So I'm really excited to hear that. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's the Wild Heart demo. And the heart okay, is the cool. little, how we all used to type out the hearts yeah, on the less than three. AIM. Yeah, the less than three. <laughs> and less than three, you. It is on the quote-unquote records, so it's the first-ever donation-based record label. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I, of course, have no time for anything in my life ever. Um, so I one of my goals for the new year is to get back into album reviews. So hopefully I will have some up recent um, coming up really soon on Absolute Punk. Um, I have four albums sitting in my inbox that I'm supposed to review over the next month or so. New Block Party Hymns uh, just came out last week. So I definitely need to get that more of a listen. I was a huge Block Party fan back in the day, so I'm going to see how it holds up. Toronto's The Dirty Nil has an album coming out um, in just a couple of weeks. Really, really good stuff. If you're into Pup at all, you'll really like The Dirty Nil. Um, a band called Cast Off, which are, it's kind of a punk, punk band from San Diego. And then a band that I'm really, really excited about is The Falcon. Um, and it's kind of a punk super group. Um, I'm most excited to hear... Um, uh, it's a couple guys from the Lawrence Arms. Um, so if you're into any punk, those last three, Dirty Nail, Cast Off, and The Falcon would all definitely be something to check out. And hopefully I'll have some reviews of those up pretty soon on Absolute Punk. Hopefully they're good. I have no idea. But if I'm going to take the time to listen to them, they hopefully won't be too bad. So, And in in true fashion, I also have nothing to recommend to any of you today. So, <laughs> passing it off to Megan. All right. So last night, I actually recorded an episode of the Let the Right Films In podcast, and that features Kayla St. Ange and Tyler Hannon. Pretty sure I'm saying their names right. If not, I feel bad. (laughs) But we actually chatted about Finding Nemo, and that'll be out, I think, Friday. But the Let the Right Films In podcast talks about films on the IMDb 250, which is pretty cool. And uh, Tyler and Kayla do it together. They record in like a little blanket fort. (laughs) It's so adorable. And I'm like, I wish I could be there. Instead, I'm states away. And then my other recommendation is actually an interview that I did with John O'Diener last week for Modern Vinyl. And we talk about what's going on in Flint, mental health, which is super, super important to talk about. And it goes hand in hand with his new band, Baggage. And of course, I did the interview with him before... Um, the Not Safe to Drink project came out where they're raising money he put together with um, an amazing roster of artists to raise money for Flint and to help out the children and the community with their water crisis. Yeah, I definitely pre-ordered that Not Safe to Drink compilation. So it's a good way to help out and you will get a ton of songs and 
it's and a new Sweller song. Exactly. Yeah, and un- it's the list of bands on that is unreal. They did a great job. Yeah, and it's like five bucks minimum to pre order. Of course you can always donate more since it's you know, five dollars, but really pay what you want above five dollars if you'd like, as Bandcamp does. Speaking of recommendations though, I have two this week. Pine Grove's new album will be out Friday called Cardinal. I've been lucky enough to have the chance to listen to it, and it's definitely a good one that I'm sure a lot of people will be excited about. It's been getting a lot of press lately with the singles and everything, so likely an album you don't want to miss out on. And I did an interview with Barbara Zabo, hopefully I'm saying that right, also known as Babs, who is one of the co-founders of Emo Night, and although it was only an email interview, which isn't exactly the best way to interview someone. I did get to ask her what it was like to kind of start it, how the idea came about, if they plan on doing it on any days, you know, other than Tuesdays here in LA. I know other cities it's expanded to and everything. So we talk about that. It's definitely a great read, a lot of interesting information in there. And of course, they will have a bunch of new DJs scheduled for this year. She wouldn't tell me who, but we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, and I will just throw in there, just so I do not anger any emo gods, technically the first emo night did start in Brooklyn five years ago with washed up emo. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get us in trouble. <laughs> Thank God you for correcting me on council. that. That's <laughs> on our case. Yeah, emo council, we are sorry. <laughs> but no, that's awesome. I'll have to check it Yeah, out. she's one of three of the founders, so I think they're mostly based out here in LA area but as you know the wash up washed up emo one in New York you have one over by you Caitlin and it's kind of just going everywhere now so you can enjoy the emo wherever you are I say our, ours is definitely more of a punk pop our pop punk <laughs> night here in Austin mainly because our crowd is a little bit younger and I'm true, pretty sure it's true. the same way in LA it's definitely a lot more um pop punk third wave emo second wave emo maybe yeah they've had uh, more yeah, toppers come out in LA and I, everything so yeah pretty bad <laughs> right we don't we don't get that in Austin yeah. <laughs> LA does have a lot of people. (laughs) It's very true. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening this week. We hope you enjoy. We will have another interview episode for you next week. I interviewed Jesse Richmond. We will have that out, of course, on our usual Thursday day. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.